I have just seen the light. I woke and in the midst of many revelations, I began to see truth at my core. And I had just talked with someone about how we need to confess, admit, permit light and the darkness has to flee. Confession is good and that was a subject of questioning for me. I'd been listening to ministry teaching that we didn't need to confess our sins anymore and then other places rehearing that nearly all other believers believe that in fact we do need to confess our sins. Once again God had shown me a a divide with people on one side believing one thing and people on the other side believing something else and that division causing a rift that seems impossible to bridge. And he's shown me that both of these sides has a contribution to his truth to be revealed for us all. We do need to confess, but not with the condemnation that has almost always been with that confession. People have used confessions to damn people and publicly shame people and punish people and banish people, but that is not what God intended when Paul told the Corinthians to shut the man who was in a relationship with his mother-in-law out of the church so that he could be dealt with by the enemy. The intention by Paul and ultimately by God was to help this man be willing to confess the truth that his relationship with this woman was unholy and he needed to stop it. Once he confessed the truth, who he really was, which was a redeemed child of God, like his brothers and his sisters, could be received and enjoyed. He was rejoined to his church family, and they continued with him perhaps doing no more what he had been doing. I am that adulterous woman that Jesus found naked and guilty and waiting to be stoned to death by people who could just list her sins because they saw her commit them and they knew that anyone who did what she did was destined to die. But what Jesus did was to show them and show them how they were no different than her because although what she did was apparent to everyone's eyes, what they did in secret was apparent to God's eyes. And God, in his mercy, allowed the woman to be a prophetic illustration of all of those people who were too blind to see that without that plain example, what they were doing in their innermost private lives was adulterous in God's sight. The only thing that took the stones out of their hands and sent them away reflecting on their own stories was however Jesus wrote on the ground. That, and is saying to them, you who are without sin should cast the first stone. And first spoke to the oldest men who had had the longest lives and maybe the most to repent or confess or realize. And then to the youngest who eventually dropped their stones too. And Jesus, looking at the woman who was naked and deserving of death, said to her, you know, where are your accusers? They were gone. She said, there are none. Once the light shone in her circumstance, all the darkness left, and that darkness included condemnation for what she did. Salvation was standing beside her, advocating for her, and he told her the message God had for everyone, that neither do I condemn you. Go 
and sin no more. So what is my sin? What do I need to confess but that the truth has been all around me? And I have then conveniently picking and choosing what I'm paying my full attention. How much of Jesus I will receive given how I feel and what I'm thinking and what I ate last night and what I'm hearing from the people around me or what movies on TV or whether or not I want eggs and bacon or something entirely different for breakfast. The cares of life and the distractions of life and the various ways that we lose traction in our lives with God have carried me from my first love and that has made me adulterous and plain for anybody who's watching to see in a way I've not known it I found God in the ordinary of life I've wakened in the morning and lived through my day and laid down at night with God as my God and Jesus as my Savior and the Holy Spirit as my friend. I've prayed for people that have asked me to pray and minister to strangers, and I've sought to walk in the way that God's calling me to a degree. I don't have any glaring sin that I've chased after, but a rather congenial lapsing of that single focus and Jesus before me as my master and my savior a voice I want to trust in the way I want to know and to go well in life all the time that doesn't sound very dramatic does it? sounds like normal life because we particularly here in the United States of America have become so much like Isaiah 1 where the prophet says the whole head is sick and we become so much like the book of Judges where time after time after time the people got themselves into a bind by doing what was right in their own sight you know basically I'm doing the best I can they would need to make a decision and they were the people of God and he was at their disposal in their own understanding and so they chose things that were peppered or flavored with God but he wasn't the sovereign God of their lives, that they worshipped with all of their hearts to the point that their own voices were cleared by his. This is a sin of Adam, that he who had been split, so to speak, into the woman and the man, chose to listen to his own voice in the form of the woman, the one that he had become so enamored with, and perhaps because he was able to see his own beauty in her. And he did not listen to the voice of God. And this made him, mankind, male and female, susceptible to deception by the enemy. God's graciously shown me that with all that he's given me, I've at times been slow to fully answer his calls, but he's faithful to me and he's faithful to us as a nation. I repent of sometimes listening to all the people and signs and things around me not of him even in them and I recognize the multitude of things have made it so that I've not been always able to to discern in this moment what to do next but it felt stymied or overwhelmed or at times I have known what to do and been slow to do it or at times I've simply not sought the word but done what came naturally or not done anything at all again this just sounds like life 
I've not been going around giving people the finger or cursing them out or holding grudges in my heart or following after sin. It's just the opposite. I have been seeking with a a measure of everything that I personally know to walk in the way that God called me. God knows this. He knows my heart. And He's trustworthy to bring me through what I'm experiencing because what I want more than anything at my core is to abide in the presence of His Word, His Son, Christ Jesus 24-7. I discovered this desire of my heart five to ten years ago, and it was in response to having received word that Jesus wanted me to pursue him. I was at a church plant, and a woman came up and said to me, Jesus wants you to pursue him. I wasn't sure if it was him speaking through her, but I felt like it was, and eventually I was sure it was true. He did want this, but I didn't know how to do it and felt some fear and about how to go forward. How do you pursue Jesus, I thought. At that time, I didn't know. And I was already a Christian, already interested and accepting of what I heard in the Bible. But this was a heart issue. God wanted me. And I was shy about answering his call. When I realized that the desire of my heart was to abide in Jesus continually... I still struggled. And even though I my struggled, my journey was already lively, and little by little I became more and more and more interested in pursuing and growing in love with the Lord. So when I say that I am that adulterous woman, it might be easier to point to me and say, given my awareness of distraction, that person over there is not doing what God wants her to do. What a sad story. Or, given my heart's deeper known intentions, that woman thinks She's not doing what God wants her to do. Poor, misunderstood, misunderstanding person. People of God and fellow citizens of the United States of America that was founded on faith in God, you and I are no different. God's using me as a prophetic illustration of us. You may have heard that God's not mad at you. This is a message that God has in graces upon graces been delivering to us because we've been so hard-headed and so stubborn and so unwilling and unable to hear anything unpleasant that God has helped us to hear the truth in the way that we could receive it he is not mad at us this is true but that does not mean that he does not want something different from us than we've been giving him and one another His mercies are new every morning, and with all of His Holy Spirit, He's sending message after message through His Word, through the media, through people, through circumstances, through thoughts and feelings and desires, that He needs to be number one. About a year and a half ago, God sent me to a church. It was not just out of the way in a suburb's pocket, but way off the grid of the evangelical Christian seminary that I had just graduated from years prior. Nevertheless, God made it clear this was where he wanted me to serve. And as I listened to the ministry there, and I heard things that were amazing, and some things I wasn't certain about, and some things that didn't sound so, God was very clear that he did not want me to receive the messages from the outside. I wasn't just an observer. He wanted me to be part of this and consider myself underneath 
this teaching. And the revelation brought forth by the spearhead is sincerely for the people of today because so many of us in seemingly following hard after God have really wrapped ourselves in legalism and swung between condemnation and pride. Like me, we've always found it so hard to believe that we could be deceived off the track that he has for us. Maybe we give to church, maybe we donate our time, maybe we're feeling relatively satisfied with our lives and him. Maybe we're praising him all day long. But very few of us testify of the fullness of the work done on the cross of Christ. We've been mixing our testimonies of saving of his saving us with testimonies of us not yet saved or less deserving and other people not deserving of salvation. We're in a time in our history in which it matters. So much grace has been given and so much grace is on offer but we need to win. We need to No, we need to tell the truth. What I mean by that is Jesus told us that he's the truth and that the truth sets us free. This grace message is for this moment and light for our way. It's fire for our lanterns while the day moves towards evening. It's our win. The truth set us free. The church doesn't have a full body, deep understanding of confession yet. The body of Christ needs various takes on it contributing together. The body is to be eaten by the body, so to speak, for its own nourishment. We receive him, we receive Jesus through each other. Many of us have had our own banquet dishes so long that we have more of certain vitamins and minerals than we need. We have what's meant to benefit the rest of the people of God. And many have lacked certain nutrients because we've shunned the teachings of people who love Jesus and have had much to share, but do it in ways that are not like us. And so we've had reasons we've given ourselves for not confessing them as members of the same body. All of us have done that, and thus we've lacked what they give. Having a lot of some things and not a lot of others for our own good it's vital in this hour that we ask the Lord for his wisdom in receiving all 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 of the lamb and not leaving any of it to waste because in wasting parts we are saying that that portion is not part of us some of you know what it's like to be in a family that doesn't accept you it's isolating alienating dehumanizing distressing If someone confesses the name of Jesus, it's incumbent upon us to not alienate, but pray for them as family. And I want to go a step farther that God's taken me in my journey. Peter asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? I've had a dream of having a town and country ministry. I pictured it taking place between two cities where I am. God had revealed this theme of Shekinah glory and goldenness to me, but he sent me to an entirely different city, the most diverse in the state and one of the cheapest places in the metro area to purchase a home. I'd lived in a large metro area for 10 years and watched the people of color be pushed to the outer edges 
and into other towns and other cities and even into another state. And I'd lived on one of the Shishi, Pashi avenues and in a popular pocket of town and in an outer liar and in an entirely different um, city. And I lived in another city where Um, ethnic neighborhoods were pocketed next to one another in relatively close proximity, all of this in the same state. I saw people living on the sidewalk there and in alleyways, eating other people's leftover dinners and asking for a penny or a nickel or a dime. I saw such a strange cohabitation between these people who'd literally nothing and those of us passing them by every day all day. There was something wrong with it and in a still further state. I lived in a beautiful town with friendly neighbors, lovely gardens, and kind merchants who felt to me like friends. And looking across the street one day, the store, um, Safeway, had only the safe, half of its sign blinking. And I knew in my spirit that I was living a comfortable existence that basically ignored how the rest of the population was living. Well, today I live in the middle of this suburb, and it's developed its own north and south, so that northward is where the poor people live, and southward is where the richer are settling. Wherever you are, There are divides between haves and have-nots. We are called to the outermost parts of the earth. And that does not just mean Africa and Australia and China. We are that Jerusalem, that innermost, where Jesus is seeking to say, Peace be with you. To be so thoroughly intimate with you that your Jerusalem, your city of peace, your innermost is so abiding in him and he is so number one to you that nothing gets in the way, not even air. And as we have the light of truth fully burning within us, we have love for everyone we know and everyone we meet and everyone we hear about and everyone who exists and all creation. The divides we've witnessed at the height of our government are only reflecting and resonating and rippling out from our own wrestling with the peace that came as one of us for us on the cross of Jesus. It's the hour that we must seek the Lord while he may be found because it will not be very long before he comes. And if you allow legality and comfortability and superiority and inferiority and deservedness and poverty and anything but the blood of Jesus to be your salvation. It's a refusal of him. Do not ignore the ones around you and me and Jesus. They are your neighbor and they are meant to be your brother or your sister. Your father in heaven loves them and you have a particular way of communicating his love that speaks to the people he has for you to love in his name. 
if none of us is left behind by one another, then to the extent that we're graced, we are to the ends of the age extending that grace to whosoever will receive it. This is the nature of light. We are so wealthy and the wealthiest of nations, at least for now. But that wealth is for us to experience and enjoy and share with others. God wants us with him, number one. And so if you feel like your life is too busy for Jesus, do you not hesitate to ask him about this? And if you're near to asking him to tell you anything, give it a try. There is time in our lives to dedicate to just being with him and giving him the room to speak. And the reason why it is important for us to hear this message to the degree that it rings true is because we're of a time. It's like we're in high school, but with mustaches and beards. It's time for us to get over this small time of being against and dare to forgive and be for, for this defines us and is our calling. Beloved of God, we are repairers of the breach. We are ministers of reconciliation, not banishers of souls. We are people of the word who allow the spirit to show us what is true. And we admit this. And it's like spiritual chiropractic realignment, making God sovereign and us in line with his sovereignty. We are not going to sweat and toil and strive for this alignment because it was paid for, but we are being called to accept it as so. And that means telling the truth. That's what the moment with the woman who was caught in adultery and the men who felt that she deserved to be stoned was all about. Jesus made that a moment of truth for all of them. I'm not on a mountaintop speaking down to you, but have in the very fibers of the core of my being received this message as my own. And I'm saying to us, us, U.S., with all that we have, God wants us to tell the truth. With all that we have grace to, he wants us to accept the light on offer. Every dish brought by every believer to the banquet. Yes, some of the dishes will seem odd or wacky. Some of the theology that has developed in individual churches or denominations or families or the locations has gotten a bit wackadoodle. But in fellowship with one another is the answer. And it's not us. It's him. The ark that we are traveling in and the glue that holds every cell and the worlds together. This one word of God enfleshed as Jesus is truly the universe. He's ultimately where we will all be living and we as a united body are where he has chosen to dwell. So let us partake, partake of the communion where he delivers his life to us through one another and directly through his spirit as God sees fit and washes us clean of anything that is not of him as we are totally honest with ourselves and with him and with one another. There is tact. 
and there is compassion and we are made to be kind communicating in love the absolute truth as it is revealed to us this is what i've sought to do with this posting and never in my life has it has something else felt more important to share may god bless your hearing and receiving of all that is of him in a world of noise and at a time with so many divisions Wherever you are, God wants us wholeheartedly receiving him, whether in his word, his presence, his people, in the midst of people who need him, media and circumstances. Let's consciously surrender our all to Jesus. I'm with you if you thought you were while ignoring things you knew he's telling you. Unlike us historically, none of Abba's words are wasteful. And by his mercy and grace, he's making everything fit. All we've come from caused to benefit where we are and are destined to go. Still, we are in a call and response relationship. He's done much initiating and calling. Please hear, it's not about striving, but we do respond. We do acknowledge the truth coming to and into us. We do admit it and not anything counter to it. We've been holding and beholding is true. If the big deal of this is clear, praise Jesus. Abba bless you and keep you as we hear his word above all else. If no, let me say this. What we believe, we do. The speech out of our mouths and the actions from our bodies testify of what we believe. And it all comes from our centers, our cores, our hearts. In the past, people idolized, mistreated, or wholly ignored their hearts. They were seen as complicated and just too hard to know. But God gives us his heart. He reveals his heart to us as a gift. And two, as we go through life. The issue today is our blanket rejection of it. We've chosen lesser ways than wholeheartedness. And so not just our emotions, but broadly speaking, our love specifically has been wanting. So what? Have you heard, seen one, seen them all? Truth and love are one. They aren't the exact thing, but they are completely united. And by knowing the truth... You know love. Truth accurately reflects love. And how is this? Not by facts. By the spirit and discerned so. And all of this sounds cerebral or flowery or tangential. So let me get more concrete. When you are in a boat and your navigations are correct, you get where you intend to go. When they're off, you end up somewhere else. Truth is the great navigator And as we admit what is true as we can, we are well guided. Because what we have believed to be true has been off, and out of the church where we've been going has also been a kilter. That grows important as you near glaciers. You with me? Some of us have been paddling with all of our might, some using high definition navigational instruments with the best from the best store, some investigating bacteria from the water in microscopes, and some laying back with potato chips and a cool drink. But in all of these, Jesus wants us looking to him wholeheartedly. That's what makes the truth what it is in us. And we confess, I don't know how to do that. It's the honesty, the honest journeying with Jesus that gives him room to connect with us wherever 
we are currently headed or whatever we ourselves believe is so. He actually is the truth and can help us reorient to accept him as he sincerely, awesomely is. And that goes for everyone. Insisting whatever bit got in a moment is all we ever want to hear from him is disingenuous and misleading to our own souls created to live in communion with Christ. That's it. And I realize I'm always tending toward the conceptual. When I hear something new, I too am newly understanding. So as we digest this, we'll all have helpful light to shed and yield it to the Holy Spirit. We won't sound abstract for long. The truth is meant to be lived through us in practical, tangible, understandable ways. He translates. That's literally what he does. Abba be with you and for you all your days.